the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. A service of the Salem. Versions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. When I came to Christ as an 18 year old freshman at, at college, one of the first things that I became aware of that just had to go in my life was my filthy speech. In fact, I can recall vividly how the Lord first convicted me of this sin. I was entering my dormitory room at the University of South Florida, and I cut my wrist on the lock. Apparently, the lock was sticking out, or I turned it or something, and I cut my wrist, and uh, I let out some words that uh, should never be uttered by a Christian, and words that even included the Lord's name. But to my shock, when I looked into my room, there was a fellow sitting at my desk, and that was the fellow who had previously just led me to the Lord. His eyes stared at me. He was piercing through me. He stared at me with a look of dismay, with a look of disappointment. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I had sinned by my speech. I honestly uh, had never realized it before. But the Holy Spirit gave me such conviction. I was under such conviction that I just turned to him and I said, I really shouldn't have said that, should I? He assured me that I should never have said that. And I can recall that later I prayed, Lord, clean up my language. I need a new vocabulary to go with what I am in you. I'm, I'm new and I, I need a new vocabulary. And the Lord did that for me. There may be some of you who have a similar sort of testimony of how God changed something from your old way of life. Actually, we should all be able to point to things in our lives that God has changed since we put our faith in Christ. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio program that seeks to clearly present the Word of God. Our teacher is Steve Kreloff, and he is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. As we go through today's program, Pastor Steve is going to teach us that when we become new in Christ, God begins to change us. For some, that may mean new vocabulary or new speech patterns. You know, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, was very concerned about our speech. Why? Because humans have a real problem with the way they talk. So over the next few programs, we will be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 30. If you have your Bible, please follow along as we plunge into today's verse-by-verse program. I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's read verses 25 through 30. We're in the midst of studying about the walk of the new man. 
Tonight we want to study about the speech of the new man. So let's begin. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Let not the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When people hear that I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, I think sometimes they, they envision me as part of a tough gang, or at least they ask questions. Was I part of a gang? Did I run around with the Lords of Flappish? Uh, was I involved in a lot of street fights? And the closest thing that I ever came to being involved in a gang in Brooklyn was the Boy Scouts. And I didn't, I wasn't really the leader there. In fact, I was a tenderfoot and uh, stayed at being that too long. I think they got fed up with me. I never even heard of the Lords of Flatbush until I moved to Florida. I don't even know if there's such a gang there. The closest thing I came to anything with the name Flatbush, though I shopped there with my parents, I belonged to the Flatbush Little League. And really, the only gang that I knew of I'm sure there are others, but the only gang that I knew of in Brooklyn was a gang called the Coney Island Gang. And I made sure, uh, I planned it all out, I made sure that they would never harm me because I became a friend of one of the leaders. And there was real strategy to my friendship. As far as street fights are concerned, I think I had more dangerous fights with my brother in our living room than on the streets of Brooklyn. And so... Uh, I really seem to have escaped much of the corruption of a large city. Actually, Brooklyn is not a city. It's a borough, but it's larger than most cities in the United States. So I, I feel like I really escaped much of the corruption of this uh, area, this tough neighborhood and the tough area that I lived in. But I'll tell you one thing that I didn't escape, and that was the language of the streets of Brooklyn. Uh, gutter talk. That corrupted me. My speech was as foul as any gang leader that could ever be in Brooklyn. And uh, that's what I picked up from Brooklyn. I was once accused, true story, I was accused of corrupting an entire uh, camp by my dirty language. My parents sent me off to camp, uh, I think it was four years in a row as I, I reached teenage years, and uh, I was actually accused by a, a, not a counselor, but a fellow camper that I corrupted him and the entire camp with the way I spoke. But when I came to Christ as an 18-year-old freshman at, at college, one of the first things that I became aware of that just had to go in my life was my filthy speech. In fact, I can recall vividly how the Lord first convicted me of this sin. I was entering my dormitory room at the University of South Florida, and I cut my wrist on the lock. Apparently the lock was sticking out, or I turned it or something, and I cut my wrist, and uh, I let out some words that uh, should never be uttered by a Christian and words that even included the Lord's name. But to my shock, when I looked into my room, there was a fellow sitting at my desk, and that was the fellow who had previously just led me to the Lord. His eyes stared at me. He was piercing through me. He stared at me with a look of dismay, with a look of disappointment. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I had sinned by my speech. I honestly uh, had never realized it before. But the Holy Spirit gave me such conviction 
I was under such conviction that I just turned to him and I said, I really shouldn't have said that, should I? And he assured me that I should never have said that. And I can recall that later I prayed, Lord, clean up my language. I need a new vocabulary to go with what I am in you. I'm, I'm new and I, I need a new vocabulary. And the Lord did that for me. And I don't really have uh, those serious problems anymore. But uh, since that time, I've learned that I'm not the only one who has struggled with my speech. It is a human dilemma. It is a problem of mankind, and that's why the Bible has a great deal to say about how we speak, about the use of our tongue. And one of the places in Scripture that has more to say than most places is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Why? Because Paul is dealing with the new man, and the new man must have a new set of behavior patterns. We've seen that the new man doesn't lie. He has integrity. He speaks the truth. He's honest. The new man uh, doesn't have or doesn't get angry anymore in the sense of selfish anger. At least he shouldn't. His anger ought to be righteous indignation. He's offended when the holiness of God is offended. And the new man uh, is affected by his work. He's not lazy. He works hard. He doesn't steal any longer, but he works hard, not just so that he would support himself and his family, but that he would have enough to support other members of the body of Christ who have needs. And tonight we want to see that how our speech is affected, how the use of our, of our tongue is, is affected, because the new man has to have new speech, new patterns of, of speaking, new language, a new vocabulary. And it seems that Paul, even in the context of the new man, seems to be more concerned about speech than any other area of life. And let me show you what I mean. Already in verse 25, he has said, we are to speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Now, there's an aspect of speaking. And then he says in verse 31, which we're not going to study this week, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, there's slander, be put away from you along with all malice. There's another aspect of speaking. And then in chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, he says, But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as it is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Now, obviously, the way we talk is really important to the Lord, or he wouldn't say it. Even in in just these few verses, close proximity to each other, the word of God seems to keep hammering away at speech, how we talk how we communicate. And the reason is because mankind has a real problem with the way we talk. Let me share with you a few verses as we go back, even in the Old Testament, in Psalm 34, verse 13. I just want to share with you some of the verses. I I looked up my Knave's topical Bible this week about speaking, and uh, we wouldn't have time to go over all the verses. It, it would take probably an hour just to mention the verses that deal with speech. But just a few highlights. Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Psalm 41, verses 5 through 7. My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die and his name perish? And when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes outside, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt, and and so forth. And he goes on to say what they say. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. 
keep a watch over the door of my lips. David is inviting the Lord to watch what comes out because he knows the wickedness of his own heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, Solomon, giving wisdom to his son, says this, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Proverbs 10, verse 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, And you know what Isaiah proceeds to do in verse 5? He curses himself. That's what he's doing. He's cursing Israel. He's cursing himself. And he says this, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Not only that, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah was convicted, when he saw the holiness of God, the thing that stood out in his mind of, of his utter sinfulness was the words that he speaks, his lips, and the lips of his people. Now, why is our speech so significant? Turn with me, if you will, to James chapter 3. James speaks on the tongue. James is a book dealing with practical Christianity. James tells us how we ought to live. And when I taught this book, I remember saying that the theme of of James is this, if you've got the root, then let's see the fruit. And that's really the theme of James. If you're, if you're a genuine Christian, then let's see genuine Christian living. And he deals in chapter 3 with the tongue. And he says in verse 3, well, let's look at the whole chapter, at least through verse 8. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall all incur a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, mature, complete, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. He goes on a few verses more to say about the tongue. The tongue, he says, is a small organ. It really is. Uh, Medically speaking, the tongue is a two-ounce, four-inch slab of mucous membrane that wraps itself around nerves and muscles to help us chew, taste, and talk. Tongue is just a small part of the body, but oh, it it is devastating. It, it, It directs the whole body. It directs the whole body. It directs, in fact, it directs the course of life. It's like a a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder of a great ship. It's just little, but it gives direction. In fact, that's why James says, don't be too quick to be a teacher. Don't be too quick to be a teacher because a teacher directs the lives of people. False teachers direct the lives of people away from the Lord into heresy and doctrine, and sound teachers have the opportunity to direct lives into the very uh, depth of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. We give direction. And he says, don't be too quick to be a teacher. You direct lives. Not only that, but you dis- but the tongue destroys. It's like a fire. You see, all the sins of life find expression through the tongue, and it destroys relationships. How many a relationship has been destroyed because of what someone said? 
People forget even the issue of what they spoke about, but they remember what someone said. We destroy the self-image of children through what we say. I've heard parents call their kids dummy and stupid and ugly and things like that. Marriages have been destroyed because of the unkind and cutting words of a husband or a wife. A tongue has a great deal of power, and God warns us about its proper usage. And so that's why God is so concerned about it. It's a little organ, and yet it can, it can set uh, on fire anything and destroy any relationship, and it can give direction to any life, for good or for bad. Now, there's a proper use of the tongue and an improper use of the tongue, and this is what the Apostle Paul wants us to know in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Let's look, first of all, at the wrong use of speech. Then we're going to look at the right use of speech and then the reasons for the right use of speech or our motivation. The wrong use of speech. Verse 29 of Ephesians 4 really pertains and affects everyone who can talk. Anyone who can talk is affected by verse 29. Do you realize that talking makes up more of our lives than we think? Talking really is a part of our life that is numerous and large. Most of us talk a lot, some more than others. I have that problem of talking a lot. The average person spends at least one-fifth of his, of his life talking. One-fifth of his life, the average person. Usually enough words are said in a single day to fill a 50-page book. In one year's time, the average person's words would fill 132 books, each containing 400 pages. The average person spends at least 13 years of his life talking. 13 years of his life. In fact, I've, I've always thought that, uh, that we do so much talking that if most of us, uh, or most of our talking were done outdoors in Florida, our tongues would get sunburned. We, we talk a lot. And so speech is a very important part of our lives. If we're to, if we're to be godly and we're to reflect the new man that, that we are, then obviously our speech has to conform to what God's word says. So because speaking is a large and vital part of our lives, we ought to know what the word says about it. And let's, let's see the first part, the wrong use of speech. The first part of verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. What does unwholesome mean? Well, it's used in the New Testament very clearly. It's not used many times, but when it's used, it is almost always used to speak of something that's rotten, putrid, corrupting. It's used of fruit that's gone bad, rotten fruit. It's used of trees that are rotten. It means putrid, worthless, bad, useless, rotten, corrupt. That's the meaning. And really, that it is not just rotten talk that he's referring to, but worthless talk. Paul's referring to speech that that is vulgar, foul, dirty, profane, things like off-color jokes, dirty stories, crude speech. But he's not only referring to that. Some people think that's all he's referring to, and if a Christian just kind of cleans up his act and doesn't say uh, foul language, he's okay. No, Paul is also, the word unwholesome also encompasses uh refers to, to things, uh, words that are of no value, useless, worthless, words that are a waste of time, things that all of us are guilty of saying. This is very convicting. He isn't just referring to cursing. He's referring to words that just we don't need to say, not necessary. They're worthless. You see, the reason Paul commands us not to, to speak rotten, useless words is because 
That kind of speech is characteristic of the old man. Unsafe people speak that way. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12 and see this for yourself. Matthew chapter 12. The, the old man speaks like this. And there's a specific reason for that. In verse 34 of Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said this to the religious leaders of Israel, said, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what's good? Can't. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart and your mind will eventually come out your mouth. The good man, out of his good treasure, brings forth what's good. You can say the new man speaks new language. And the evil man, out of his evil treasure, brings forth what's evil. You could say in the setting of, of Ephesians, the old man speaks the old language. And I say to you that every careless word, or in the authorized version it says idle, every idle, it means careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for that in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Now what does the Lord mean? He doesn't mean that we're saved by the words that we speak. That would be good works. We're not, salvation is not depends on the words we speak, but the words we speak indicate what's in our hearts. It's what slips out of the, out of the mouth in those unguarded moments that reveals what's really in our heart. That's what he's saying. Your words justify you in the sense that they demonstrate whether you're really a Christian or not. It's what James is saying. Show me your works and I'll know what your faith is like. You see, careless words are very significant. It's when we're tired, when we're exhausted, what comes out? When we have, uh, when we let down our guards in those unguarded moments, when something suddenly happens to us, what words come out? You see, that's the difference between the moral man and the Christian. The moral man has to repress himself continually from saying unfit words, words that he, that he knows would not go over well in a certain situation. But the Christian, because his words reflect his new nature, doesn't have to repress that. It ought to just flow naturally, sound, godly, proper, wholesome, worthwhile, fit words. Dr. McGee in his commentary says this, what's in the well of the heart will come through the bucket of the mouth. That's really what, what Jesus is saying. That's why, you see, the new man ought not to have unwholesome words because his heart's been changed. His nature has become changed. He's received the divine nature. He's new in every sense of the word. He's a new creature in Christ, and so his language needs to be new. The words we speak are one of the best uh, proofs of the depravity of man. Do you know that? If you want to prove man's sinfulness, all you have to do is say, look at his language. In fact, in Romans Chapter 3, Paul uses that very specific argument that we're saying. He says in chapter 3, verse 9 through 14, what then? Are we better than they? Not, not at all. I mean, is he saying, we as Jews, are we better than the Gentiles? Are we better than the pagans? No. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles are all under sin. He says, let me prove it to you. You want to know that you're all under sin together? As it is written, there's none righteous? No, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Throat is an open grave, he says. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of snakes is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You see, when you want to prove the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man, just say, look at what he says. 
said the tongues are like poison, like a snake. In fact, I understand in South America there's a snake that's called the two-step snake. Not that the snake takes two steps. It bites you and you take two steps and that's it. Life has ended for you. Because when it bites you, you just take two steps and die. Its venom swiftly paralyzes your heart. See, that's, that's the way the tongue is. The tongue can destroy and paralyze. It can move so swiftly and kill a relationship just like that. Poisons minds, it destroys faith, it, it ruins a reputation. Tongue reveals our sinfulness. But you see, when a person becomes a believer in Christ, things become different. Then his, his speech is used to glorify the Lord. In fact, Paul says this in Romans 15, verse 6, the same book that he said that, the, that their tongues are like snakes. In Romans 15, verse 6, he said this, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. After you're redeemed, after you're new, after you're saved, after you're justified, then your mouth is used to bring glory to God, not poison other people. Thank you for tuning in today to Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve continued to talk about the changes that should take place in our lives once we are in Christ. Today we heard about the tongue, which no one can tame. Now this was powerful. It speaks to our hearts, and I hope that you listened with an open heart. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and he will be with us again on the next Verse by Verse radio program. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.